belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for December 12th, 2021, the third Sunday of Advent, is called Change of Heart. The teacher is Laura Holland, and the location is Clap Auditorium, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Kids, we're going to start with you this morning. Okay. So one of my favorite things to do when I had art time in school was to fold my paper and cut it like this. Does anyone know what I might be making? Have you you done this? Ooh, a heart. You're on it. Okay. What does a heart typically represent? Yeah. Love. Yes. This is a smart group. Okay. What are some ways that we show that we love people? You can just shout it out. Ooh, doing the dishes. Yeah, I definitely feel love when someone else does the dishes. Anyone else? Hugs? Eli was just giving me pictures that he had drawn. That's one way that he shows that he loves me. Gifts. Yes. There are so many ways. Ooh, I see a hand. Yes. That is awesome. Yes. There are so many ways that we can show people that we love them. And sometimes I think that we need to have the imagination that you guys showed us today to get out of our box of what we adults sometimes forget all of the ways that we can show people that we love them. So, hi, I'm Laura Holland. Welcome to Grace again. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I'm going to move a little bit away from the fire because I'm terrified of fire. Love this time of year. Don't love the fire. Okay. If I start getting close, just like wave me down. Um, Welcome. Hi. Hi. Okay. Composer, lyricist, and playwright, Jonathan Larson, changed the trajectory of Broadway when his rock musical Rent hit the stage in 1996. Becoming the 11th longest running show on Broadway, This cultural phenomenon set the stage and inspired many other shows like Spring Awakening. I don't know, a little show you might have heard of called Hamilton and many others. I know, Hamilton, look it up, brand new, brand new. Rent was special in some ways because it asked questions and it tackled subjects that previously were considered taboo. And taboo not just in theater, but in life. But one of the driving questions throughout the show is one that we all ask in one way or another all the time, kind of a version of, why are we here? Why does this matter? So the second act of the show begins with the entire company standing at the edge of the stage, curtains still drawn, shoulder to shoulder, and they sing a song that asks, what is the proper way? to quantify the value of a year in a human life. And if you're familiar with the song, throughout the thing, (laughs) 
Stacy's over here singing. Throughout it, they suggest different ways that maybe it could be measured in cups of coffee. I don't know about you, but if that's how my life was measured, it would be a large number. So maybe it could be coffee. Maybe it could be in the number of times that you have laughed or cried, the lessons that you learned. But by the time they get to the chorus, what they have decided is that the best way to measure a life is in love. Advent is a season where we anticipate the arrival of a world trajectory changer. Not to draw too tight of a line between Jonathan Marston and Jesus, but Jesus also came and he asked questions and he tackled subjects that previously had been considered taboo. He also reimagined long before the rent cast was able to suggest that love was the answer. He reimagined the way that we measure value, the way that we act towards one another, and the very name with which we refer to him. So, before starting to work on this message, I'm going to be really honest with you. If I heard love at Christmas time, I would immediately think of Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. And it's not my fault. I don't know if you know this, but they are releasing 41 Christmas movies this year alone. That is to add to the catalog of Christmas movies they've had over the years. Lifetime also does this. ABC Family also does this. They're not the only one in the Christmas family, like, movie game. So it's not my fault. Okay. But here's the wild thing. Even though there are 41, I can probably spoil most of them for you now. Okay, so if you don't want to hear, cover your ears. All right, so we have a successful city dweller that somehow ends up in a relationship with, friendship with, a rural farmer, rancher, baker, probably part of the family business. Bonus points if their family's last name is Claus. This is where they are able to have some creative license. And so then they work through a misunderstanding. Love ensues happily ever after the end. But regardless what Hallmark tells us about love, a little music group called Boston actually has a better picture of it because love is more than a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's more than a feeling. It's also more than an emotion. It's more than a fleeting response to seeing the really attractive Christmas tree salesman. That might be part of it too, though. So I'm an advocate for learning to recognize feelings, being able to name them. I think that that's really important. But when it comes to love, we miss the full picture when we stop there. And not only do we miss the full picture, we miss a lot of people. Because if we're only talking about romantic love, then we are limiting those whom we can show love to and receive love from. So our scripture passage today will help us expand that aperture a little bit. We're heading back to Romans, can never get enough. So specifically today, Romans 12, 9 through 20. I'm going to be reading from the message version this morning if you'd like to follow along. Paul writes, Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. 
be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times, pray all the harder. Help Christians in need, be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they are happy, share tears when they are down. Get along with others, don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies, don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. It's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. This paints a very different picture of love than Hallmark does. As Amy pointed out in our teaching team meeting, movies in general have given us the wrong impression of love. It suggests that it's easy, that everything just works out, and it's a feeling that can come and it can go. But unlike that understanding of love, this scripture passage lists things that are choices. It's something that doesn't just happen. It's deliberate. It's practical. We even have a bit of a blueprint here and in other places of what that can look like. But let's not mistake practical for easy. And instead of a feeling that easily comes and goes, this picture of love requires intentional action. Alex referred to it as a working love. We've heard John say frequently when talking about grace, that grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And I think that same equation holds true for love as we're talking about it here. And it also lets us set some boundaries or guardrails as to what a working love can look like. So the passage today starts with the phrase, love from the center of who you are, don't fake it. And since we've already read ahead, we've already seen some expressions of what this can look like. But what if our center just doesn't feel very loving? We've been told not to fake it, so does that mean that we, we're done? We get a pass? I'm sure this is shocking, but short answer is no. We do not get a pass. But how do we get off the starting blocks when the initial instructions seem daunting or maybe even impossible? Maybe these instructions follow more of a cyclical or symbiotic than a linear because when we read them as linear instructions, if we can't manage the first one, we're not even going to try the ones that come after it. But if we instead read them as reciprocal, a different picture emerges. When we bless our enemies and laugh with happy friends, we're loving from the center. Not only that, but we're practicing. So the next time, we don't have to fake it. Discovering beauty in everyone takes practice, but practice makes progress. And we're told to be inventive in hospitality. I love that phrasing. And when I read inventive in hospitality, I'm reminded of a quote from theologian Lynn Sweet that says, faith is the art of imagining. When God said, let there be light, God was saying, let there be inquiry and imagination. Humans are less made in God's image been made in God's imagination and invited to participate in the divine imagination. 
imagination is participation in the divine nature. So our innovation and imagination are expressions from God and of God. That's a whole lot more than a feeling. And each time that we act on discovering beauty, blessing enemies, laughing and crying with others, making friends with nobodies, and realizing there's no such thing as a nobody, each time that we elevate and celebrate others and share a meal at a table, each of those represent love at work. That is a working love. And each one is an expression of love from the center of who we are. And the more we intentionally flex these muscles, the less we have to fake it. Because when love isn't just a feeling, but an honoring of the humanity and ourselves and others, the very humanity that Jesus came to model, we start to understand how love can be central. But Jesus didn't just come to model humanity. He came to reveal love. So I have this Christmas decoration on my bedside table, and it's a block of wood that has been painted with a picture of a little blonde baby Jesus. And on it, it says, love came down. Now, I've always understood love came down to mean that Jesus exuded so much love. It was such a central character trait and attribute of his that when Jesus came to earth, love came too. It came with him. And I think that's part of it. But what if there's more? What changes if we understand love to not just be a character trait of Jesus, but the person? When Charlie was a little bit younger and starting to understand that Tim and I are people outside of being her parents, she was really proud and would tell her, tell our friends that she knew our other names. So she would say, my daddy's other name is Tim. And because of what she had heard Tim call me, she would say, and my mommy's other name is Love. And so we would laugh. Oh, I know this is like the second time that like pet names have come up in a couple of weeks here. So there's that. But yeah. <laughs> but Tim and I would laugh and we're like, oh, that's, that's really sweet. But I think she might have been on to something. Because if we're supposed to be reflections of God, shouldn't people think that our other name is love? As I'm thinking about that too, maybe more importantly than that, do you trust that God's nature and other name is love? This can be something that we struggle with for any number of reasons, whether because of a perception of God that has focused too much on his wrath and his judgment, or because really good examples of love can be hard to find. So it can be hard sometimes to conceptualize what this all-encompassing, never-ending love can look like. But I would submit that trusting that God's other name is love is a key component to being able to love from the center of who we are. Because we are told throughout scripture that God first loved us. His banner over us is love that his love endures forever, that he is abounding in love, that he is love. When Sweet phrases it, saying Jesus came to reveal a God of love who will love you to the end. So God's name is love. His character is love. His actions are born of love, and he loves you. 
scripture also reveals that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the rules and these theological expectations and church politics that we forget that we're all here because God so loved us. God so loved us that he sent Jesus. Author Elizabeth Stone wrote that making the decision to have a child is to decide forever to have your heart walk around outside of your body. Jesus was God's heart for us walking around. And it's that gift that we're expectantly waiting to celebrate this season of Advent. Okay. So one of my favorite memes tends to circle around this time of year. It shows a picture of Mary and Joseph holding baby Jesus. And then it says, Mary, exhausted, having finally gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, this girl needs a drum solo. <laughs> so this humorous riff on the little drummer boy always makes me laugh. And it also brings me back to those nights of that precarious sleep where there's, they're just like those desperation-driven pleas. I'm like, please, everyone, just be quiet. But I've also always loved the message of the little, little drummer boy. The idea that the gift given out of love is enough that you and what you bring to the table, or the stable in this case, maybe, it's enough. You're enough. And though God's gift of love often inspires reciprocity, I don't think that that was the point of why it was and is given. Likewise, as we're told to love from the center of who we are, we are also instructed to be cheerfully expectant. Might this be a clue that we shouldn't expect an immediate reward for taking this posture either? Because loving from the center of who we are isn't ultimately about us at all. So many of the expressions of love that Paul mentioned are other-focused. They require giving of ourselves, and they set up an order to our community that reflects what Jesus taught. And this order isn't one that's top-down, it is more you first. So if our motivation for doing these acts of love is for us, for what we might get out of it, might I suggest that that might start falling in the category of taking it. This might mean that we've missed the very point. But here's the thing. This is all well and good. This is great. But when love is an action that requires choice, that means we must make the choice to act. What if we don't want to? What if the reality of a delayed reward this isn't enough to, to follow through with things? What about those days when we really don't want to play second fiddle, but we do want to curse and quit? I don't know. What about those times when we really, really, really want to get even? We don't want to wait on that being the Lord's. We want it to be ours. But if we haven't been practicing and our love muscle is a little, little out of shape, what then? What do we do when the rubber hits the road of living out our faith? Amy suggested that these are the times that we not, might need to pray to God, asking to borrow some of his love. This can look like saying, God, I need to borrow your love. Mine is running low. Sometimes when I reach that point, that prayer literally sounds like, Jesus, 
be with these people. <laughs> and then I remember that it's more about me. But just sometimes we realize that we can't do it on our own. We need to reach out for help. Alex pointed out that this could be an example of a time that the idiom from Richard Rohr, that we do not think ourselves into new ways of living, we live ourselves into new ways of thinking, might be really applicable. So in other words, just do it. I get that sometimes that's not an option. But if we're honest with ourselves, more often than not, that's, that's the long and the short of it. We just need to do it. Other times, this is when we can become inspired for those in our lives who are loving from the center of who they are. When we see others living it out, we can often then become more imaginative, more creative in what it can look like for us too. But maybe, just maybe, something that Shannon noticed is important for us to remember here too. Several times throughout Paul's instructions, he says things like, don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. And he includes the clause, if you've got it in you. Each of these indicate two things to me. The first, that we need to have some self-awareness. We need to be self-aware. And if we're to keep ourselves fueled, that requires refueling. And I can't stay aflame if I'm ignoring what I need. Now we have to be careful that we don't use this self-awareness as an excuse to not do those things that push us outside of our comfort zone. But I do think that we need to pay attention to what our bodies are telling us and that we need to pay attention to how the Holy Spirit is leading us. We need to make intentional choices to love ourselves too. Teaching about Elijah, Pastor Nancy Ortberg once summarized part of the story by saying that God responded to Elijah's frustration and anger by encouraging to have encouraging him to have a snack and to take a nap. <laughs> we laugh because we know the wisdom in there. When we lived in D.C., it wasn't uncommon to get stuck in traffic, and so Tim used to keep snacks that he could feed me in our glove compartment for times just like this. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when we don't want to do what we know we need to do or make the choices that we know we need to make, the answer really is that we need to eat, we need to sleep, and then we can try again tomorrow. The second thing that I noticed is that the words used show that perfection isn't what is expected. We're told to practice and to discover, and these are not the verbs of mastery. These are actions of someone that is faithfully making the choice to just keep at it. So love is an action. Love is a person. Love is a posture, a way to measure, and a reason for being cheerfully expectant. In a season that can quickly become overshadowed by consumerism and Christmas letter perfection, may we rest in the truth that all we need is love. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.